I've got some hugginses and kissinses, and that's only going to mean something if you heard yesterday's podcast. Um, I've got the death of God. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Hello there, welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast where we take things that occurred on this very day, but way back when in history and that, and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake Cavine at Double Do we? Do we? And together. Just checking. We no, yes, we do. Are yeah, we drawing do. fallacies on the whiteboard of time to see <laughs> who wants to rub them off most vigorously. <laughs> How long have you had that one up your sleeve? No, that was just, that's just. That was now. good. That was amazing. Um, I'm going to take you to the 25th of March, 1811, when Percy Bysshe Shelley is expelled from Oxford University for writing an outrageous pamphlet. Oh. Um, he'd been at the university for two years, attended only one lecture, but read for 16 hours a day. Um, he published anonymously The Necessity of Atheism in 1811, um, but he'd already published three books while he'd been at university. He was only 19 years old and he was already on his fourth book, Swat. Um, he, he now he published it anonymously, but he also sent copies to each and every head of all the Oxford colleges just to wind them up and to essentially he wanted to be caught. Uh. And he was hauled up before the dean George Rowley and the college authorities uh, who asked him, "Was this you, young man?" Because it was very similar to an article he'd written a couple of months before. Um, which we didn't know about until mid-2006, but we found uh, his practical essay on the existing state of things, which was an anti-monarchical, anti-war tract. And because he had a history of writing such inflammatory material, he was hauled before the beak and asked if he was responsible for the pamphlet. He refused to answer any questions. And so on the 25th of March, 1811, he was expelled from the university and sent down, rusticated to the place whence he came. Uh, his father intervened and he was re they offered to readmit him as long as he'd recant his atheism and denounce it. But he refused and fell out with his father and went on to be the Shelley we all know and love, writing poems and hanging around um, in Alpine lakes, uh, while everyone else wrote ghost stories. That's Percy Bysshe Shelley being expelled from Oxford University and getting on with a proper stuff like actually writing stories and poems. <laughs> well, I've got the 20th of March, 1969. Mm. And it's a magical, magical time. Uh, particularly if uh, if you enjoyed the Imagine song that's been doing the rounds <laughs> online, uh, there's something very badly wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're very ill. Um, <laughs> Something inside you missing. Yes. So uh, it's the honeymoon of John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Mm. And what they decide to do with it is hold their very first bed in for peace. Ah. Uh, with all the Hugginses and Kissinses. Mm. Uh, this is at the Amsterdam Hilton Hotel. And all the press were called and they were jolly excited because they thought, ooh, it's their honeymoon. We're going to see some Hugginses and Kissinses. <laughs> You really have to hear yesterday's episode if you didn't. Uh, we haven't lost it. We have lost it. Yeah, a little. But, uh, yeah, so they were they were press protesting uh, the Vietnam War. Mm. And uh, so all the, the press showed up thinking, oh, this will be good. Here we go. And uh, it was just them sitting there 
uh, chatting, chatting yeah. about peace, which I find a little bit cringe. It's a bit like chatting about love. <laughs> it's like having the word love carved in wooden letters that you buy in Homebase or a DIY store yeah. and then stick on your mantelpiece. On yeah, your because mantelpiece. What, what's that yeah. for? Who, what did you need to remind yourself to? Like, what, love? Like, do it! Mine says hate. Yeah. yeah. A little <laughs> that's, balsa wood That's hate. under the bed. <laughs> that's under the bed. Yeah. Yeah, I get it out every now and again, and it's really brilliant. I like the fact that they got out of the bed in order to have the sheets changed every day by a maid, and there are lots of nice pictures of them standing next to that's amazing. the bed of peace and love and equality as a maid, yeah. maid changes the sheets. Brilliant. And it gave rise to bagism. Did you hear about their bagism movement? No. So their it's idea bagism. was they they did this uh, then a, a few days later. Uh, they insisted on being interviewed. They climbed into massive bags <laughs> and sat inside the bags. <laughs> it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you? Yeah. And they said, uh, they said, uh, well, this is um, so you know you're not going to judge us by uh, the way we look or the color of our skin or anything because we're inside a bag, yeah. Like, yeah, but we can still pretty much work out which one of you is which. <laughs> Don't know. It's not that difficult. Uh, and it just makes me think of uh, The Audition, which if you haven't seen it, it's a Japanese horror film and it's mm. really, really yeah. horrifying. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Oh, no, 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 no. People get really cross with Yoko Ono for splitting up the Beatles, uh, but I think we should thank her for that because, frankly, there's enough of the Beatles. Yeah. They did loads of albums. We're not missing. We're not lacking Beatles stuff, are we? No, that's true. You know, that's true. How much more of it do you yeah. need? they like nine well, I, albums I, I, to I, the big red this, one. The big... This is not a popular thing to say, but I, I like Paul McCartney's stuff on his own. You think it's, it's quite good? Yeah. yeah, and I reckon he wrote all the good Beatles songs. Both of them. You know, he wrote "When I'm 64" when he was 15. <laughs> Oh, it does sound a bit like that, doesn't it? Oh yeah. What'd you write when you were 15? Uh, I wrote "On the Necessity for Atheism." Four years before Shelley did. <laughs> you and I need a bed in. <laughs> we need some huggings and kissings. We need a maid to change our sheets daily, and not just the sheets. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, happy birthday to. I'm going straight to the real intellectual stuff this time. Happy birthday to Andrew O'Connor. He's the. <laughs> wow. He was. He was the young magician of the year in 1981 and was a comedian and magician through the 1980s and was a great game show presenter in the early 1990s. He was um, he was the absolute precursor to Stephen Mulhern. Yes, he was he was on uh, LWT's Copycat with Bobby Davro and Gary Wilmot, which gives me a chance to say all of those names, which makes me very happy. Yeah. Um, he then went on to appear in number 73 uh, with uh, Sandy Toxvig, Neil Buchanan and Kate Copstick. Um, who's currently comedy critic for The Scotsman. Yeah, um, with not a lot to do this summer, I suspect. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if he still talks to Sandy or Neil Buchanan. He was also on Art Attack as well. So he and Neil Buchanan must have had wow. quite the relationship. Um, uh-huh. He then left number 73 to start On the Waterfront, a competing Saturday morning television programme on the BBC with Kate Copstick. Um, and he wrote sketches and performed sketches for The Krypton Factor. He went on to start Objective Productions, which made Peep Show. Why are you doing this? (laughs) Why are you doing this? It's his birthday. Yeah, that's good. Are you done? Uh, And Tonightly, which is the best programme ever to have been on television. Definitely. Uh, It's not. It was terrible. It was just the first thing I was in. Uh, That's it. We're done. Brilliant. Yeah. Andrew O'Connor. Death-wise. you remember him, well done. Yeah. Death-wise, 
very similar. You got someone more significant than that, do you? Uh, I've got uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the Chaz and Dave of his days, uh, Claude Debussy. Claude Debussy, Nat. Oh yeah, that's where we're supposed to be. <laughs> Andrew Connor. Claude Debussy. Uh, he studied the... Next year, we're telling me I wasn't allowed to do Rusty Lee. You can do whatever you like with Rusty Lee. I know. Mm. So it says on the internet. At the Conservatoire de Paris, uh, his teacher said mm. in a report, Debussy would be an excellent pupil if he were less sketchy and less cavalier. <laughs> and then a year later, described him as desperately careless. Uh, and he was a bit. Uh, he started teaching um, uh, a pupil called Raoul Bardak, uh, mm. who uh, was the son of a Parisian banker and uh, who's like, oh, this is my mum. And Debussy was like, oh, yeah. And uh, she apparently was a sophisticate, mm. a brilliant conversationalist and a good singer and pretty relaxed about marital fidelity. Oh. Because she'd been uh, having a good time with Gabrielle Faure a few years earlier. Uh. And so Debussy was like, I'm having that. So uh, he did, and he wrote to his wife from Dieppe. Uh, he wrote to her in Paris saying, I'm so sorry, but uh, this, this marriage is over now. Uh, and then he, uh, he came back to Paris, got his own flat. It's like, finally, you know, Pink Floyd yeah. on. Yeah. Just living his best life. Uh, <laughs> and his wife then tried to kill herself. Uh, she shot herself in oh. the chest with a revolver mm. and survived. Hmm. But the bullet remained lodged in her vertebrae for the rest of her life. Oh. How was if you haven't the, heard, go on. How was her walking and things after that? Was it? Good? Don't know, mate. Okay. Don't know, She's mate. essentially collateral damage for this story. Yeah. But she was the inspiration for the Genesis song, I Can't Dance. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> Leaving her with a more complete musical <laughs> legacy than that of Claude Debussy. Yeah, definitely, mate. If you haven't heard Lille Joyeuse, mm. it's really worth hearing. It's an amazing piece of music. And I once mm. watched someone practicing it for what felt like the whole summer. Uh, in 2004, when I came back from America, there was a masterclass in this tiny French village where I was staying. And every day I would go and watch this student learning it with a sort of master player. And it was the most fascinating thing ever. I loved it. They pulled this piece apart mm. every day. I became obsessed with it. There's absolutely nothing going nowhere story, but I, I've told you now. <coughs> Andrew O'Connor. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> Copycats. Well, if you enjoyed today's date fight, rest assured there will be more tomorrow. Yeah. Each day, every day, yes. we've got a, With a fun grinding, computer. torpid, forget the whatever's going on outside your window. Uh, in here, we'll be having lots of fun with all the terrible things that happened in the past. Yes. It's not so bad now. The past is usually worse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's hope it stays that way. Right. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.